Yes, musical monsters out there, it is Literary Kings and Friends back on your airwaves. Causing a nuisance. To talk to you about what we've been doing. And what have we been doing, Peter? We've, well, we've been holding an event. That's singular. Sounds plural. <laughs> uh, holding an event at uh, the Queen Street Brewhouse. Today we're going to review those acts. A review the acts and we had uh, one poet and three music acts this time because unfortunately Christina King dropped out oh! it's a bit bad really because it's actually reviewing our own show yes we are review- we preview the acts and then it's we a review- bit like when the government do their own inquiry into something and say oh we found no no dodgy dealings it's yeah. fine yeah. so we'll just say that the show was really good there wasn't anything wrong nothing happened no one dropped out and in fact yeah. it was filled to capacity it was filled to capacity. Fill to capacity. Yes, it was. <laughs> if only he would turn up and do a slot one day. Yeah. Um, you may notice there's a different sound, more echoey sound around us. And that's because we are in the basement of a cellar in Switzerland. We are in the basement of a cellar in Switzerland. No, not really. We're in Turner Towers. That's my house. And we have uh, a Christmas tree. A glow. Yes. Yeah, you'll probably notice the Christmas tree acoustics, mm. um, oh, yeah. the way the sound bounces off the, the, the needles. needles. <laughs> it always a classic bouncer of sound is the Christmas yeah. tree. Well, I think ABBA famously got their sound from having many fir trees in their studio. They did, actually. That's true. They, they grew up with fir trees, and it did make a difference. Okay, so we had we were due to have five acts. Unfortunately, one of the uh, acts had to drop out. One of our poets, Christina King, had to drop out. And this was a real last-minute thing. I mean, we, we're on a fr- Friday night. I think it was a Wednesday night. Yeah. Unfortunately, tests. Yeah, COVID-related. So we were expecting this at some point. And unfortunately, we had a poet drop out, Christina King. Yeah. If you're out there, hello. Hope yes. everything's good. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we only had four acts in the end. One poet and um, three acts. But, you know... We padded it out with more humour, jokes, juggling, yeah. uh, balloon folding, and um, rabbit tickling. Mm, My favourite. Rabbit tickling or rabbit tickling? Um, rabbit. Okay. Rap, rapid tickling <laughs> of rabbits. Rapid. Yeah, rabbit. <laughs> rabbit tickling would be worse. <laughs> yeah. So. Have you ever seen a rabbit foaming in the mouth? <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean, I just, just I've seen one on Watership Down, I think. Oh, yeah, that's that. scary. There's a dog loose in the woods. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that sounds like it's, it's really coming from your heart. Uh, oh, like oh. somewhere in your brain. Yes. It's a memory, a little oh. film running. Yeah, that was the last time I uh, rapidly tickled rabbits. Yes. That, was at that event. But, uh, you know, it filled out the time, and of course, we get to do another song sometimes, which uh, people are always cheering up. I think they were cheering. I don't think we actually did an extra song. We keep talking about, actually, we should probably learn a few more of our songs acoustically so that if someone does drop out, we could do an extra bit. But we're famously incredibly lazy. Um, Yeah, famously lazy. (laughs) Famously lazy as our one single in three years. (laughs) Yes, we'll testify to. We'll testify Um, to. Yeah, we've managed a single. We think that might be it. That's that's the end of our run. (laughs) 
the, be- the best and worst single they ever produced is the same <laughs> song. So we opened with a couple of numbers. We did. Uh, warming up for... Well, Sinead Orme. We actually put uh, some music on after us, which is unusual as we normally have a poet. But um, yeah, Sinead stepped in and started the evening for us. Um, and I have to say, after all the Kate Bush talk last time, doesn't sound like Kate Bush live. No. She does it in recordings. I'm sort of waiting for the uh, the Bush effect, if that isn't too awful uh, to say. And um, it actually, it's not. I'm not sure what it is. Does she put her voice through a sort of... <laughs> the bush She's got a Bushifier pedal. Bushinator. The Bushinator. Just a pedal with the word Bush written on it. Um, yeah, it's something happens. Like, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't appear. But yeah. Well, there was a little bit. She she probably had the pedal on, say, ten percent. Yeah, ten percent bush. And she did some like, like weird dancing. Normally, not never go full bush. That's what they. Say. <laughs> That's what they say. That's what they say. They've been saying that since the seventies. Yeah. Uh, when of course <laughs> everybody was full bush in the seventies. Everyone was, and now <laughs> you, you you're lucky if you can find one. Yeah. Um, they're usually hidden uh, you know, <laughs> under. <laughs> staircases people just don't you know you don't see them up, up anymore no it's not out there they're just hidden like a like a sort of brown ashtray it's just lost yeah lots of brown cars yeah. in the 70s everything was brown in the 70s well look she um, yes anyway she has, back to Sinead yeah back to Sinead talking about that she has an impressive uh, array of topics which she sings about she's not yeah. uh, she's not one to stick with one thing and she uh, really writes from the heart as well so it was really nice to hear her live yeah so have a bit of a chat with her. Yeah, because you interviewed her. Of course I interviewed them. I interviewed them all. Yes. We have a fight, as usual. What we do is we... <laughs> uh, listeners might know this, but we put the microphone on the ground and then we... Justin and I have a kind of... It's like a sumo microphone wrestle. And the person who gets the microphone first wins a microphone. <laughs> and then they go and shove it in someone's face. <laughs> You'll notice so far I've won all the uh, sumo <laughs> wrestles. But uh, yes, we did speak to her firstly about her Irish roots. I wanted to know, did her Irish roots have an effect on the way in which she writes? I'm standing outside uh, Queen Street Brew House uh, with Sinead Orme, who's just performed for Literary Kings and Friends. You enjoyed it, Sinead? Very much so. Yeah, it was lovely. Lovely environment, lovely people. It was really nice. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Um, Ireland. Tell me about Ireland and your music. Is there any connection? Anything that gives you... uh, a sort of regional edge, maybe. I don't. I don't know. I because I remember I studied in a kind of which I, academic way at university. We learned all about Irish music. I don't think that, when I know I know people who were born into it and they play like traditional instruments. I have some traditional instruments on the album, but actually songwriting wise, I don't think so. If it is, it's subconscious. Right. But. Um, Certainly, um, the stories of Ireland, lyrics, I think, definitely influence. Right. But music, I'm not sure. I don't think I'm as uh, definitely not the cores. But there's, certain- <laughs> well, there's only one of you. Yeah. But it's a kind of. Uh, I suppose there's a. Uh, I mean, your, your sort of upbringing was in Ireland. Is that right? Yeah, so, yeah. So there's I certain things to- you can't avoid as such. Oh, like absolutely. Culturally, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So a lot, a lot of my songs, you know, it's about the Catholic Church because I had a Catholic upbringing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I moved here when I was 22. So most definitely um, some of my lyrics, but I think musically, like I said, there's some traditional instruments on some of my songs, on chapters, but I think, um, yeah, I don't think I'd, del- if it is, it's subconscious, if it's in my chords and the inflections in my 
melodies. I wish there was more Irish in it, actually. But right. your, <laughs> voice, your voice does come across, you know, uh, you have a oh, regional accent. Do you, do you use that at all in your singing, do you think? I don't think so. I think right. I just sing, yeah, I, I tend to, I, well, I, I, I don't think so. I remember we did a lot of singing in primary school in Ireland, like singing was huge. Mm. And uh, all, you know, all girls, convent school, taught by nuns we did a lot of singing and we were told don't sing with your accent so uh, yeah I don't know if it, 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 there is probably some words that it sound sort of regional but yeah, yeah again not deliberate so you asked her about her album chapters chapters yes I mean I assume that the chapters meaning each song was a sort of different part of her life and uh, that was the way it was sort of conceived so yeah I asked her all about her, her new album so you just mentioned Chapters, your album. Is, yes. that, is that something that was conceived as one whole or is that a, a collection of songs that have built up over many years? Um, I think it was a... I would say those songs were written in the space of one or two years. Yeah, it was like a... That's what, it, was, it was quite a, a nice um, creative time. Right. Um, yeah, and that's where the title comes from because each song to me is like a chapter in my life of some mm. kind. And not necessarily, some of the songs are about me, they're very personal, but then some of the songs are, you know, I picked up a newspaper on a bus and read a story and it mm. moved me and I was like, well, I can relate to that. Mm. So yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, it was over about two years. So, yeah. so some of these songs you can, you sort of relate them to certain times in your life. You can remember exactly where it's come from, why it's there. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. I remember Stevie Wonder said, if I can play a song that I've written years ago and played a million times and I still feel the same feeling I have once I wrote that song, mm. I know it's been a good song. And right. I, I do have that. Mm. Uh, and Chapters came out in 2000, well, it came out, it finished in 2009. And so I still play these songs and it brings back that feeling of when I wrote it. Mm. Yeah, most definitely. Okay. Yeah, we talked a bit in the preview show about her possible influences and who, who she reminded us of. So and musically, who are your touchstones in terms of who you listen to or who you'd like to write like? Do you, do you have anyone in particular? Uh, yes, I'm sure a lot of people say I, I'm a huge Johnny Mitchell fan. Huge Johnny Mitchell fan. Yeah, I've yeah especially her later stuff yeah i know i noticed uh, the way your tunings actually yes. some, just some of the ways your hand moves on the guitar looks very familiar actually yeah, to the way yeah, when you yeah. see her play you know whenever really yeah, yeah. I, I find mm. because for so long you know i've never really had a band behind me so it's just been it, i did on the album but when i play live i always felt like i wanted more color in the guitar sound mm. so therefore i did tunings i wouldn't be the best guitarist in the world so i just thought well this is one way yeah. of finding different colors and also I'm not one for standard basic chords. I like colour, I like extension chords, I love all that, and I think tuning gives way to that. That was a big thing for Joni Mitchell, wasn't it? Yes. No one, I mean, I think when she started, you know, 68, when she sort of started, no one could really work out what she was doing because mm. her stuff sounds so elaborate, and yet she yeah. plays with such ease, doesn't she? Yeah. And that's kind of what you're trying to pull off as well, I suppose, in a way. You yeah. Keep it easy, but keep it nice and uh, fresh and, you know, yeah, musical. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, most of my new songs are in standard now, and I don't know whether that's... Most of the songs on chapters are in tunings, but these recent ones, I think I, I spoke about, you know, not being able to write for ages, becoming yeah. a mother. Um, but, yeah, I, um, I'm moving more into standard tuning now, and... <laughs> One of the beauties of being on Queen yeah. Street, yeah. Um, on. So I'm using yeah. much more standard tuning yeah. and 
I was afraid that it was too simple or it had to be more complex and I think one of the lyrics I sang tonight was you know it doesn't mm. have to be overly complicated there still can be it's beauty and simplicity and I mean coming from a musical uh, you know standpoint myself it's interesting how we set these goals for us you know I like know, you said yeah. does it have to sound <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like yeah, somehow yeah. the rules are between you and the audience rather than just your own rules you know absolutely and yeah. I think that's why my songs that I'm writing now I'm not that I'm not caring less but I'm just going with what comes naturally actually because okay. it takes a really l long time for me to write a song actually mm. yeah it takes a lot of blood yeah. <laughs> yeah. sweat tears yeah yeah not tears <laughs> um yeah okay so on the album it sounds like a full band it but is. obviously on night she performed as a solo artist precisely and I wondered whether she intended everything to be in the band or whether she just goes out as a solo artist because, you know, she has no option. Um, I asked her all about those decisions. So why do you choose to perform solo? Because um, obviously you, you do perform solo, don't you? But actually all your recordings are with a band. Yeah. So, uh, what, I mean, what's the difference oh, and why do you do that? I would, I would love to play with a band. I really would. I've just been a bit lazy about putting it together, I think. Right. Or also it's a huge, like, I'm pretty... I don't know, self-conscious that. I'd be like, why would a band want to play my stuff? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really self-conscious about that. And I just feel it probably, you know, but hopefully that I will start. I did play with my husband, he's on Kahan and a friend of mine on bass. And that was a really oh, nice right, setup. Yeah. That yeah. was really nice. And I do want to do that more. So if anybody wants to play my music, let me know. Um, but yeah, I think it was more, I was so afraid that they, I wouldn't have anyone that would want to play my music, but I would love to play with a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Sinead, and a uh, great performance, and have thanks for coming to uh, Literary Kings and Friends. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much, thank you. That was great. <laughs> okay. So, Toby Watson works on a number of different projects. Some of them played at uh, List of Kings and Friends before. Yes. Various members of Lamplight Club have played at uh, Litter of Kings and Friends before. Yes. Um, but one of his projects is called Red Dance Set. It is. The Red Dance Set is made up of uh, Jim Sanders um, and Toby Watson. And they are available on Spotify. So, this is, um, this is Red Dance Set and Naked Light of Day.
Nice. So Barry King. Barry King. Yes. Barry King. Barry King. Barry King. Barry King. Barry King. Barry King. Open brackets, Barry. Close brackets, King. King Barry. <laughs> I mean, that's the obvious one. Yeah. Um, so, Barry King, strong opinions. Yes. Very strong opinions. And we were very excited by that before he yeah, played. We liked and that. And he lived up to it. He, he was his very forceful present on stage. And loud. I mean, purely yeah. in terms of volume, he was loud. You know, there was no yeah. worries about that. He probably could have done it without a microphone, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, in fact, um, it was very loud at the front. It was, it, it was difficult because... Obviously, you want people at the back to hear as well, so you want the, the volume of the speakers to yeah. be loud, then, but then the people at the front were getting deafened. It's a bit, I it's a bit it, of a balancing act. I mean, I guys. felt it was a bit much. Probably it had gone too far when I saw the, um, when I saw Paramedic um, actually mending someone's ears. Sewing them up. a bit too bad. Sewing them up halfway through his performance. <laughs> I think we can save him, but it's touch, or, touch and go, they said. I actually yes. heard that while he was happy. But anyway, um, yeah, great performer, um, yeah. you know, really engaged the audience. And what was great is he coped well with that environment. A lot of poets struggle with that, which is how am I going to overcome some background noise? Because yeah. they're used to, in sort of poetry groups and things, that people are very attentive. I mean, you have yeah. silence, like all musicians, I'm sure, would like as well. But you don't expect it as a musician. But you do as a poet, and it's quite a challenging environment. But you cope with it really well. Well, I think in the poetry environment, it's like voices going up against other voices, isn't it? Like, yeah. when, you, when you're... In, when you're uh, a musician at open mic there's not other musicians strumming and playing in the audience yeah. that would be awful that would be a great equivalent you're playing and everyone else is playing <laughs> but oh obviously God. when you're when, when <laughs> so it's very apparent like people yeah. for people to keep their voices down when um, when there's a, a poet performing well, uh, a, a, a poetry specific event. Just as an aside, it'd be really funny if we could mention Leon in every episode because we're about to. I mean, as Leon Helsby told us, um, you know, you won't get anything out of it. Background music is one thing, background speaking, you're not going to get anything out no, of it. Um, no, it's like know. hearing something up of the conversation. Yeah. There's something buried under the patio or something like that, you know, yeah, yeah. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, um, something like, oh, just put the marigolds there, it'll cover up the hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't mean anything on their own but uh, you know well, you have to I don't know about that one <laughs> you have to you have to you have to tune in and listen yes otherwise there's fragments of it and then phone the police fragments yeah, <laughs> fragments of it fragments of it yeah. don't mean anything no, of course not. Whereas music, you can pick up on a vibe or yeah. just do enjoy yeah. the melody or something without actually going, yeah. I'm listening to this. This is what <laughs> I'm doing. So I'm here with Barry King, spoken word, poet, um, at uh, Queen, uh, Queen Street Brew House for Literary Kings and Friends. And uh, Barry, I just want to ask you a few questions about your poetry, of course, because yeah. first time we've met. Uh, although I've obviously seen your stuff online. Um, how did you get started in spoken word? Oh, it's only just recently that I've been starting to do it because spoken word to me is, is a relatively new thing, but I've been writing stuff for years and years and years. So there's a little bit of a difference between writing stuff with a view to performance and writing stuff with a view to having it read. Yes. You know what I mean? So that, that's, that's kind of difficult for me. And uh, so 
I'm pretty new to it, to be honest with you. So what else did you talk to King Barry about? Well, I asked him about poetry and whether he thought it was important that everyone hears poetry and uh, gets involved. So when you, when you write, you're not necessarily writing for an audience or to, 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 to be read to someone else? Just lately, I've been writing for an audience, but I, I kind of prefer writing to be read. Right, so yeah. this, you know, so, okay. but it's two different things. For mm. me, it's two different things. Well, of course, because also the voice, of course, yeah. the voice is coming from you or it's coming from them. That is a significant. Yeah, it's like yeah. uh, audio books. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you have a, a voice you can't choose or a voice you can yeah. choose, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm quite a political sort of person, mm. but when yeah. I'm performing, at the moment, I'm pro I'm probably thirty percent humorous and 70% political right. but I'd want, I'd want to tip the balance and do it the other way around so okay. it's 70% humorous yeah. and 30% political yeah. you know but there's so mean? much to be angry about um, well there's a lot to be angry about there's a, there's a hell of a lot to be angry about you know so in a sense you think the balance would tip to the anger it would be there'd be more to write about you think <laughs> I think that I'd like the balance to tip hmm. To the humour, right. with a little bit of anger in the humour, right, if you yeah. know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's where I'm trying to go. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I like to write humorous stuff mm. with a little bit of a message in it. Okay, yeah, you know, sounds you know. good. I try to be objective, but there's a lot of subjectivity of creeping in there. Most of the people I know don't read poetry. They don't, don't really know poets. No. You know, they know no. famous poets. No. Why do you think poetry is important to the to the masses? Why is it important? I. I think poetry to me, especially in today's climate, is, is something that everyone can do. Right. You know what I mean? It, 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 my, my philosophy on it is, right, it doesn't matter how crap you think it is. If you can write it down, it's just something that you've done. And if you can say it to people and if you can perform it, brilliant. It don't matter. You know, you've done something. You've contributed. Mm. You know humans I mean? are interesting enough anyway, aren't they? Yeah. Let alone yeah. with all the contrivance yeah. of art, yeah. actually just the human voice. One thing I have noticed, I mean, especially on the spoken word scene, and, and when you look at poetry online and stuff like that, there is a lot of, I mean, I don't want to say it again, subjective stuff. I mean, it's all about emotions and mental health yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And I have done stuff like that, but I do try to be objective. Right. It, it, with, with, once again, we're going back to the performance thing. I, I think it's better to be objective and try and project to the crowd rather than talk about yourself yeah. you know but that's just me personally because there's plenty of stuff that is subjective that is brilliant yeah, you know yeah, yeah. in fact that's probably got the upper hand at the moment subjective yeah. poetry has probably got the upper hand yeah, at the moment yeah. so right. sort of the, uh, the ego you, you've lived here a long time yeah, yeah I've lived here a long time lived here yeah. a long time yeah. um, are you part of a network of poets Sort of, uh, no, not really. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've done a few heard of Mary Ann Ambrose. I'm quite friendly with. I Mary think Ann so. Ambrose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she gave me a break at the uh, Free Wise Monkeys, in, oh, and uh, right. you know, which was absolutely brilliant. Yes, know? I've seen the video. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, I, I love Mary Ann, and I think Mary Ann loves me. You know, so we, we <laughs> that sounds like thing, something. Right, you know, yeah, yeah, you've got a good thing going. So yeah, well, no, no it's, it's brilliant. I, I love it. I mean, if it wasn't for this COVID thing, we, I, I, it's complicated. Yeah, it's yeah, it just really it's does. just buggered up so many things. Things, yeah, you know. Has, I know. If only they would take responsibility for their actions, those uh, microorganisms. I know, it's I know. annoying. So, it? There it's you go, annoying. idea for a poem. Uh, anyway, I asked him about, um, specifically about venues, gig venues, where bands play, and is it ever suitable for a poet to do a gig at a music venue? Poetry, can it transfer over to this kind of event where you have music and then spoken word? Or do you think poetry really needs to be uh, a separate event altogether? Well, that's a tricky one. I, 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 I think that probably it needs to be separate, you know, because 
So that's another thing. I, I find that poetry at the moment is very competitive. You know, right. you get a lot of people on stage and all mm -hmm. the rest of it, and they're out doing. And I want to get away from that because I really hate competition. Right. You know. Yeah. But um, my answer to that is, I don't think it is. I think music nights and music nights and right. spoken word nights and spoken night because you get a different kind of audience. Right. Don't you? Okay. And you get a different yeah. audience. I mean, tonight we've got a kind of audience that are interested in having a drink and a nap, and you've yeah. got the few at the front that are there for their, yeah. you know, and they're, right. and they're clapping and cheering. But that's okay. That's fine. Well, it was know? pointed out to us by Leon Helsby, another poet, that um, basically with spoken word, you won't get anything out of it unless you listen. Whereas music can sort of be absorbed almost yeah. subliminally. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas poetry. Yeah, you yeah. literally get nothing unless yeah, you're listening. Yeah. yeah, I can understand that. We chose the brew house because we thought maybe it was um, a good place with a mixed crowd yeah, that might yeah. you know, be oh, interested yeah. in that kind of thing. Yeah. Peter, it's a brilliant crowd. I love the crowd. I love the vibe of the place. You mm. know, I, I, I'm going to come back anyway, yeah, well, nice. well, yeah. regardless of where I'm performing or not. Yeah. Have some more of that 8.9 or whatever it is. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like it was under 10, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, yeah. Barry. And thank you very much. And, and good luck with your performance. Okay, so I'm looking at my notes here, and I can see that the next performer was an Adam V, or perhaps is Adam the Fifth. Adam the Fifth. Yes. When I was at school, I had a ruler with all the kings on, right away from like King Stephen, okay. right through to yeah. King Elizabeth, who's yeah. our current king. <laughs> And um, yes, Adam, Adam the fifth. Um, you must, you must know Adam the, the Adam the first, second, third, Henry the first, Adam the fourth. That and little there's rhyme. the little rhyme, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Adam the first, famous for collecting colanders and having a wide girth. Adam the second, of course, was the first person to declare um, that you should, must always carry a rabbit if you are uh, pregnant and about to give birth. The third one was Adam the third. Adam the third um, actually banned grinning. Uh, in Shropshire, um, which was easy because they're all miserable over there anyway. That's right, so, the, the lack of mirth. Uh, so and then the last one was, look the at birth, my trousers, the mirth. what are they worth? Exactly. He asked exactly. the question, and they actually did a poll across the whole nation, what are the trousers worth? Everyone had a guess, five shillings tuppence, shillings didn't exist, so everyone was wrong. It was done. Well, because they were, it was groats back then, wasn't it? It was groats. It was a lot groats. of groats. Um, and yes, they were wrong. But then we move on to Adam the Fifth. Yeah. Who played at our it. open mic event. Sorry, sorry. Mm. Scrap that. It's Adam. It's Adam. It's uh, Vaklovic. It's oh. Not, it's, oh. Not the it's not What's the problem with it doing these Jesus abbreviations? Adam Vaklovic. Um, right, okay. We had the same thing with Henry Vicksburg. We thought he was Henry VIII. Henry, <laughs> Henry VIII. Henry VIII. Well, that's a Henry VIII. This can't be the, the Henry VIII. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, look, moving on. Yeah. Adam, Adam Vaklovic. Yeah. Um, so, he, I mean, to be honest, he may as well be a king. He's got great confidence, stage confidence. A really strong performance. And uh, those soulful songs come across. Like I was saying uh, before, you know, about his YouTube stuff, his solo stuff comes across great. So, of course, there we had him. Uh, in his sort of natural element without uh, all the other instruments. It's fantastic. Pretty similar to Sinead, actually. A lot of the recorded stuff sounds like a full band. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did ask him a bit about that. Uh, what, what I was telling him, though, was when he came off the stage, a, a, a local radio personality um, immediately said to me, I've never heard this guy before. Who is he? So, Adam, you're obviously having an effect because they are swarming. Are we allowed to mention the local radio personality? It's not, no. No. I shouldn't mention him. I mean, you know. Yeah. We won't mention him, but if we said Paul Dupre and 
and the size of our nose, is we'd probably know who we were talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, People could work it out from what you say his name. <laughs> yeah. It's the name he goes by. It's, he is? Yeah. Yeah. He did try a few different names. Oh, God, yeah. Do you remember? Dave Swanneybridge. Uh, yes. There was uh, Kevin Hartworth. Um, actually, that didn't last very long, that one. Uh, there was mm-hmm. another Kevin Hartworth who lived in the same road, very angry, and threw everyone's bins in the road. He did. He yeah. did. He was yeah. Dave, Dave Mingleberry. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was um, <laughs> Martin Paternoster. I mean, he he was um, well. He actually he actually went to the police eventually and said, "No one shares my name, not over my dead body." He died uh, very re- very very soon after that. But as a sign of respect, Paul said, yeah. oh, "No, I'm going back to Paul Dupree." I'm going back to Paul Dupree. Martin Paternoster now. Without respect for, for his family. <laughs> anyway. And all that he stood for, of course. So, interview with um, Adam. Got him as well. We, sat down. We, were actually, we were actually interrupted in our interview uh, by really? a lady who came over and said how much she liked his music. Huh? But um, I asked him to explain where his music comes from. Where's he getting his influences from? I'm here talking to Adam. Now, Adam, you haven't performed yet tonight, but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, everything will go well for that. It's sounding good so far. Um, First of all, your music—it's very, Ooh. it's very soulful, very heartfelt. Um, where does that? Where do you think it comes from? That style. Ooh. Oh, I don't know. This is what I do naturally. Any music you listen to that maybe uh, has inf- uh, sort of come into play with that? Your writing, maybe. Yes. As a thing Go on the interview. Mm. So a, a random passerby, as you might say, has just come along and said, "Have you heard that guy's music?" I said, "No, I have not." And he said. His music made me want to go and massage my woman's feet. It my my woman's feet. My Not his, his own women's feet. No, his no, woman's just feet. his woman. The one woman. We can edit all this. Yeah, I mean, we can edit. We it can, can be edit. fine. But basically, yeah. that's what your music wow. does. How well, go. good is that? Well, Adam, that's what we're trying to get to the bottom of here, which is about the soulful feel of your music, because it is. It's very heartfelt. And due to this thing, that's the way you write. It just comes out like that. I, I, I have no idea. I just sort of do it. <laughs> You just sit there and yeah. shit comes. And I think you're just being honest, aren't you? It's not some people would be coy. I'm not, I'm not very good at sort of saying, like, I have some great story. I think. Yeah. Okay. I, just, I just sit and write what comes out, and yeah. what yeah. comes out comes out. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, your YouTube videos are an absolute delight. Um, they bring out the melody so well, and it's lovely the way you sort of just keep them really simple and uh, small in there. Why do you choose to record full band versions when you come to uh, record for Spotify and put your music out there? You don't actually do them solo, do you? I couldn't find any solo oh, work. That, that that is a good question, actually. Mm. I wondered why. I don't, I don't know. Um, I've always just assumed it sounds better, to be honest. Although that's what everyone else does. I don't know. Do you write with a sort of band in your head then, rather than a kind of it's a solo, you know, a solo writer as such? You think of it in terms of a band. Yeah, a little bit. You sort of have it going on, but I've always, I've always just that's how I felt like it, it, it should sound. Okay. But I, yeah, I have heard a lot of people say that the me, just me and a guitar sounds better, but I just sort of. Yeah do what I want really well this is what I'm excited about tonight because oh, yeah. the side I've seen of you is the YouTube you know mostly Ooh. the YouTube stuff which I think is a real delight yeah. I think it brings out your voice so well and of course tonight that's what you're going to do any plans to sort of put together a band or have you had a band before I've never I've never really had a proper band no I've played with friends but I, 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 nothing like that okay so, so nothing sort of gigging and permanent yeah no, no, nothing like that okay so what else did you ask him Peter 
asked him about the Colchester scene, uh, whether he was involved in the Colchester scene. Actually, he's not from Colchester. I don't know how he slipped through the net. I mean, you know, you you know our radius. We have our four-metre radius around the brew house. Um, no one is allowed to come from outside of there. But he does. He's from Harwich. Um, Colchester scene. Are you from around Colchester or are you sort of satellite? To I, I'm, I'm from Harwich. I, I don't uh, know how, how close you'd consider that to, to, to Colchester. Does Harwich have a scene of its own musically? I feel like it used to. People right. say it used to, but mm. not really now, no. Okay, okay. So, um, have you played a lot in Colchester? I saw a picture of you at Coda. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I did that one. I, I, I've done a few open mics, but... Okay. Yeah. And you enjoy the scene down here? Sort of, uh, It's pretty vibrant in Colchester at the moment. Well, well, it, well, it's good that there is a scene, to be honest. Yeah, it's, good. yeah. it's great. I love it. When you perform, what, what is it you want to get out of that for yourself and for the audience? I, I find the deep questions very funny, actually. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, I, I, I um, oh, I, I, I just try and have fun with it. Yeah. Sit, sing what I want to sing. Okay. And is, and, there, is there a message yeah. coming across in the songs at all? Is there? It's not a song where I talk about the universal truth and yeah, like yeah. this thing that everyone sort yeah. of, you know, relates to. I think. Yeah. I think just that's it. Just it's whatever. Well, this is what they say about all the good songwriters. Don't yeah. They take something small, but they make it universal. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Yes. <laughs> have I yes. answered my own question there, Adam? <laughs> you have. Okay, Peter. So what was the uh, other absolutely insane thing yeah. you were going to ramble on about? We had a really funny chat. No, this... Cut. I'll just, I'll just uh, start that again. Um, we, we, we posited the idea of getting together all the Adams into one band. But, you know, we didn't say Adams family at any point. That's only occurred to us now. But, um, yeah, we wonder whether Adam from Armoured Man would like to join Adam V and make a new band, maybe. You're not the only Adam here tonight, I realise, because half of Armoured Man is also an Adam. Oh. So maybe we could get all the Adams together. Split the Armoured Man in two. I, I, I was once... Adam and Eve. Well, then we need Eve. <laughs> I, I, yes. I'd, okay. I'd love to be in a group full of Adams. <laughs> yeah, it would be great rehearsing. It, it would be very confusing. Yeah. Adam, could you stop playing, please? Um, okay, well, look, Adam, I'm going to leave you there. And uh, have a great night tonight, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Thank you. I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Thank you very much. So we're going to play a track from another local band called Grebo. We're actually playing a gig with them in January. Peter, would you remind me of the date? Uh, it's January 29th at the Queen Street Brewhouse, along with Elton Jane. The power of three. Could we put Echo on that? Yeah, we will do. We'll put it and we'll do it again. Actually, we should probably say it at the same time. Are you ready? Yeah. The power of three. Uh, put together by Lars Jeffries from Elephant Jane. It's a gig with three three pieces. That's nine people all together. We won't be playing all together at the end, but obviously that's the band aid idea. Yeah. But we won't be doing that. Yeah. And so Grebo are a young three piece from Colchester. And um, we've got a song to play you called Love and Nutter, which they've sent in. Really nice guys. Seem to be making their way up in the scene. I heard a lot about them recently. You check them out on Spotify. Um, they've got quite a few singles actually in there. And they're doing quite well with their plays as well. So up the boys. This is Love and Nutter. person that they really like 
You and them together all rosy and white, you see it clear It's just a tear But if they're stupid, crazy, messy and lazy Or they wanna call their kids Stacy For the record, I ain't got nothing against the name Stacy I just wanted another right When you're down to cool, I'll be saying It's a right, it's a wrong number You may see it as mean, but it's self-preservation Just go. When you're down to cool, I'll be saying it's a right, it's a wrong number. You may see it as mean, but it's self-preservation. Stupid, crazy, messy and lazy. You get things wrong and all you do is blame me. So don't have me on Snapchat. We see it through. Do you think it will bother you? I don't know you might love or not We see it through Do you think it was a use? I don't know you might love or not We see it through Do you think it was a use? I don't know you might love or not Slice it, don't I? Yeah, I just, I just squeeze it back together, don't I? I love a nutter. Love a nutter. Nutter. That was love a nutter, and uh, I do actually love a nutter. Yeah, I love a nutter. But Jeffrey Burnsworth. <laughs> the names. <laughs> I love a nutter. I like the way they glue Edith. my Peter together. <laughs> Edith Tolstoy. <laughs> Tolstoy. <laughs> the, uh, Edith Tolstoy. She wrote the famous book War and Peas. <laughs> Is that even true? I will tell you who the next actor was. Yeah. I know. Because I was there. All right. Armoured Man. Armoured Man. So right. in your face, Mr. Turner. Uh, I keep I keep calling them Armoured Men. And you know why? Because there's two of them. There are two of them. Uh, Armoured Man, yes. they are called. And they were our final act. And what a great headline act they were. Well, we were excited about them playing before, mm. but before they even touched one right. of their instruments on stage. We were excited for them to play. Yeah. And they didn't disappoint, did they? In fact, we'd seen them at Coda before. Yeah. They were even better. They were fantastic. Yeah. They were just... I just wonder whether that more enclosed space at the brew house helps as well. It, it sounds yeah. doesn't get lost as much. Yeah. With a band like them, they need that kind of enclosed space. I mean, they really, when they stepped up on that stage, they really own the space on there. And that 
that does make a difference, doesn't it? It becomes theirs. It, you know, their instruments are laid out. You've got the big bass drum. You've got a sort of selection of instruments behind Adam who's standing up. One sitting, one standing. It's always the same. And uh, the bare feet, obviously, adds a kind of twist to it. Um, so, yeah, it's really like a proper sort of setup for them. Great audience interaction. Um, the audience were you know spoken to they introduced all the songs well it was so fun they made jokes about things so but despite the fact that the material is quite serious i mean a lot of it is you know it's fairly deep uh, well some of it some of it not chicken, chicken on a raft. raft chicken on a raft yeah. i would not say is very deep at all that's like a kind of light-hearted moment chicken yeah. on a raft yeah um and uh, otherwise you know they're pretty light-hearted with their interactions but uh, passionate Passionate. Ooh, that's what that's 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 what got me. It's real gutsy music, really giving it some really, really. Well, that's what you want from music, isn't it? Passion, Precisely. something to stir something inside you. Precisely. I, I mean, as long as it's not actually not not stir like. Yeah. Okay. There's your liver. There's yeah. your. Um, Pate, I was going to say. <laughs> and of course, to, to add to that great mixture of sort of interaction and, uh, you know, their, uh, their songs uh, is the uh, musicianship. They're really good players as well, aren't they? They are. Very good players. Yeah. And, and just uh, having that bass drum as well. I know. Just really, really gives it some... You never know what's going to happen because you can't see his foot. So yeah, yeah. So bass drum thinking, what are they doing with that? Yeah. Suddenly it's like thud, thud. And it really is like a pulse. It's like a, like your yeah. heart gets going, and then suddenly you've got this thump, 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 and just just really carries. It's a brilliant really idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not original in the sense that it is used, but with folk groups, not as much actually. But with that, it really makes a difference. It pushes the music on. So um, the first thing, of course, I asked them was about their name. I thought it's an odd armored man for a start. Seems an odd name for their band. Where did your name come from? How did you decide upon the name? Hmm. hmm. We were called when we initially. This is not the question at all. When we, we, we used to be called natives. When we initially got together in Spain, we called ourselves natives because um, it's named after partly. Partly it was a joke about being from Essex and the oyster being called a native oyster, and also being foreigners in a. We we weren't natives in Spain, and then Armored Man just kind of came out of left field initially as a name for an album, and then we. It seemed to work. It seemed to tie in with the themes that we sing about about kind of how as humans we surround ourselves with the armour of and the trappings of modern society which are sort of all nonsense <laughs> and, okay. and also I guess thematically we tend to sing a little bit about what about what masculinity is and what a man is and how it's all a bit made up and it's all and an armoured man is an outdated concept well that's something we really picked up on actually with the, with the <laughs> oh good we did pick up on that and You're I did I was, the only one that has yeah. picked up on that Most also of course the, the natives part has come across to your first album Lewis. yes yeah absolutely well the, the thing that happened was we, we just reversed it so we, we yeah. thought we were called natives right. now we're called armoured man mm. but natives still we, we feel I still feel quite associated to that term mm. so it felt like as a body of work we wanted to, to it's, it's like naming a child almost it was like mm. oh, we really care about it and love it so we wanted to give it a, a, a name that sort of stood for something and, and natives encompasses that I think so yeah that's the name of the first album but yeah and, and the songs on that album were kind of came together in the period and that's what we were calling ourselves and 
yeah 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 exactly that so it feels like an organic sort of switch and yeah those songs are sort of wrenched from our guts and hearts and muscles so it sort of took yeah. five years to, yeah. to to come together and you know are from a wider pool of songs that we that we wrote and performed out in spain but those are the ones that mm. sort of stayed with us the most oh, okay. so that's that's what we've called them anyway natives okay. armored man and their lyrics now i've noticed there was a particular and we talked about this on the preview show that there is a particular local bent to their lyrics yeah there's a local theme running through we talked about that last time and that is true Um, there is and there's a connection to um, man and his relationship with the environment but I asked them to explain that in more detail what are you trying to do to the audience with your lyrics what what do you want the listener to, to hear and get out of them I don't think I've ever thought about the listener, <laughs> um, the lyrics That's are completely honest, isn't it? Well, I think yeah. so. I mean, what what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do, to is not kill ourselves. Yeah, basically, well, communi- <laughs> communicate something which can't otherwise be communicated. I think, right? Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and to deal with just kind of getting into the. I think the themes we try and deal with in in the songs are. What on earth are we do, doing? <laughs> you know, we're, you know can, we're, to be honest, I mean, I know I'm interviewing you, but I've got to say something here. Uh, I, I can see you're struggling to put it into words almost, but that is that is kind of the impression you get when you listen to the album. There's something behind it. There's a force yeah. behind what you're trying to do, but it's getting it into words that's actually really hard to do. Everyone understands what it is you're talking about. It's yeah. very hard to put into lyrics. I, I, th- I think so. I mean, mm. I, I think we're, we're trying to get to the essence well not the to get to the essence but like the, the modern human is a very strange thing I mean physio- physiologically mentally to a large extent it's the same as the human which existed tens of thousands of years ago and yet here we are with smartphones and podcasts and pints of beer are. and yeah. cars yeah, and yeah. fucking whatever this metal thing is that we're next to yeah, yeah. And, and really we should all be dead by now you know because we shouldn't have lived this long and uh, and it's that and also right. and also I think on a more personal note the first album for me was very much sort of traces a bit of a bit of a mental kind of crisis I think and it's and there's a and there's a lot of that in there and I think one of the reasons I was thinking about why do we end up writing so many songs about dead animals and I think it's because there's something about the non-human animal which we all secretly are quite jealous of that thing of like you just are yourself you exist you live your life you do your things and then you die and there's a simplicity to that which humans can't get at does that answer your question? I don't know <laughs> listen this is all about exploring your ideas can I ask you Lewis a question in, yeah. in your song Elmstead who is yeah. the brave man who is held to the floor what does that what does that actually uh, mean is really this from experience an- anthrop- yeah it is anthropomorphism there it's, um, it's about a tree that I felled in Elmstead an, an ancient yes. oak tree wow um so yeah, he was brave and strong and tall. This is the tree. Uh, right. It took four men. I was one of four men to get him to the floor. So that takes, makes it really personal, doesn't it? Because yeah. I mean, if you're like me, I would assume it was about some guy, maybe a local guy who had to be restrained or something. That's what is. Like, that's like what a, it comes like across. A drunk. Or yeah. Something, yeah. Yeah. No, it's about a tree. Yeah. Right. And uh, maybe that makes the other lyrics fit. Right. The sky has changed its shape mm. today. The gaps, the lines, the blues, the greys look like a flag. Like the idea that the patch of sky that you look at every day has changed, and the birds they circle aimlessly like satellites without TVs. This that is kind good. Of this idea. isn't it? You're getting to practice your words before you even remember. remember them. Them. Well, not, this song's not even in the set. No. I just, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll uh, I'll hurry on. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> when I talk to them afterwards, 
They, they said you. <laughs> they said you were a tosser, and they never wanted to see you again. They are doing something different. They're passionate about it, and they love what they're doing. And it, like, yeah, you can't help love it too because they just believe in it and just are so into it. It's what we were saying before, wasn't it? About when people believe in what they're doing, and it really only works with originals, then you there's something about it, some spirit comes across to you, some vibe that you really believe in it and get into it, because they believe in it. How do you get to a song, a We've completed song? like this a lot know. recently, haven't we, we? We, I mean, I don't know, a mixture of, mixture of luck and judgment, I suppose. Sometimes something's happening to you and you, the song appears and you have to kind of encounter it through sort of working at it and chipping away at it. Sometimes you sit down and you decide you're better at this than I am, sort of trying to write a song about a particular thing and get to grips with what that is and then we, we kick it back and forth and what we read and... Those are big things, aren't they? Yeah. But I, like you said earlier, art is slow. It's <laughs> really I, fucking slow. I, I think yeah. that you can have a process <laughs> and that, the whole adage of in, inspiration has to find you, but it has to find you working, I think works. Like reading, having a work ethic, ethic having principles, those kind of things work. But yeah, inspiration is, is a difficult one. We've been inspired by things that we've read and people that we've read about and family. And But basically, I think that that first album, Natives, emerged from a need to write rather than seeking inspiration. It was just like a visceral yeah. urge to get something out. It was kind of like... If we don't do this, then at least one of us is going to be dead. <laughs> it's a matter of necessity rather than art. I think, yeah, I think so, which yeah. sounds like kind of a wanky thing to say, but I think it's genuinely true, yeah. <laughs> which is the awful thing about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's The creative process is just well, it's an odd was, one, isn't it? That's what I was about to say. The creative yeah. process, oh, I could talk for hours about this. It's <laughs> absolutely fascinating because yeah. we're part of it, but in a way not, aren't we? We're not entirely in control of it. Stephen Pressfield writes about, about that in the, the War of Art, doesn't he? And that, that play of words, a book that he wrote about that thing of mm. the muse and that whole that Paul Zollo thing he'd written songwriters on songwriting like this idea of Bob Dylan talking about how he writes songs and that process yeah just with this mystical kind of entity really it's just a neurological process of the subconscious working isn't it and the more work you do it's lodged there and mm. you can drive and it embeds that because your brain is relaxed your system one thinking is relaxed and you can do your system two thinking all that kind of stuff that Kahneman talked about so it, there's neurological you know unpickings of, of how it works but it so this idea of invoking the muse and the mystic is is incorrect but i think it's it's right in the sense that there's something going on in your subconscious when you plug a lot of stuff into it into your conscious mind from reading or having this severe is, experiences i guess this is fascinating stuff um and obviously with their sort of uh, bit of a vibe on sort of eco um concerns and um you know sort of global warming and things i did ask them about what they thought the next few years would hold the world's a turbulent place at the moment How, where do you see things going i god i'm about to have a child so i have well not me personally uh my partner and i are about to have a child uh so i i kind of i feel obliged to say things are going to get better <laughs> even though when the best science to which we have access things things says things are going to get shit within about 10 years irreversibly so okay. um i don't know i the, the big hope i guess that i have is some kind of reconnection with what am I trying to say of all the kind of visions of the future which are out there rewilding or something like it to me offers a vision of the future which is both positive which is quite nice and comparatively practicable and also I, the book I'm reading at the moment which is 
much less heavyweight than it sounds is the climate crisis and the global Green New Deal by Noam Chomsky and Robert Pollin. Mm. They point out that in order to fix what we have, would in terms of the investment needed globally compared to say after the the Wall Street crash or the Second World War is is a fraction of that, you know. And we and the thing is now we have the science. So it's a question of political will uh, which is where my optimism fades. <laughs> Lewis, anything to add? Um, yeah, I, I'll try and make it brief. There's a, an amazing <laughs> podcast with um, George Ezra and um, Richard Powers, who's an uh, amazing author. And they talk about how it's possible to solve the climate crisis with some you know, technocentric fixes, perhaps. But the, the issue they talk about is this, this issue of loss of biodiversity, the idea that you know, humans might be able to conquer a, a climate issue, but then what do we do with the degradation of species and the fact that we are of nature but have conquered nature what do we do with that so yeah the the climate crisis might be solved but you know we might end up killing everything the world might be awful as well imagine just but it may not be solved as well you know probably won't be yeah. It's, a, it's a big question. It's it a big a one. Big to fill. We'll finish with another qu- listen, easy question. Listen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me well, about the car you drive. <laughs> okay, armored man, armored men. You are, you are the armored men. Look, thank you very much for that, and uh, have a great gig. And uh, let's get out again. of the cold. So it was a good night, wasn't it? We kicked off oh, with ourselves, yeah. la la la, singing like that. Our second event. Second event back in the Ooh, house. Yeah, second event, and everything seems to be going swimmingly well. So yeah. we are on the lookout for new people. New people. You can always message us, Literary Kings, go on to Facebook and message us if you're interested. We're always looking for new people. Uh, if you play original material, writing your own songs, or you are a poet who's writing your own uh, material as well, we'd be interested to hear from you. Yeah, except uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Craw, we don't want you calling him. Jimmy Craw, I have the number of times I've had, how many ways can you say no, Jimmy? Yeah. No, Jimmy, back off. And can you get off my lawn? Well, I mean, I mean, we got you into the studio and your refusal to wear trousers or even underpants was just not acceptable. It's not acceptable. And, you know, um, yeah, heckling old women. Yeah. Uh, be- just because they're slower in a supermarket. It's, yeah. It's not, it's not, um, it's 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 not relevant to what no, I'm talking about. No, and when no. you like said you were trying to find your mojo, and that's the reason why you had your hands down yes. there. Yes, on the stage. Yeah, yeah. No, it's you, not. You've got it's to not stop. good. It's got to stop. Um, Brent Wisefoot, um, if you're still out there, I'm. Coming, I'm coming This is an official warning. <laughs> It's good. It's it's building. Um, yeah, it is building. <laughs> if we can make the room out slightly wider, uh, yeah. it, uh, then that would be great as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's good. And uh, what's fantastic is people want to be interviewed. It's what I've noticed. And if you're out there thinking, oh, I'd like to have a chat about my stuff. Well, people seem to really enjoy being interviewed. Because actually a lot of people said, no one ever asked me about this stuff. You know, people comment on my work. They comment on my music or on my poetry. Uh, but they But no one's actually asked me any of the roots of it, where it comes from, why I'm doing it, why I like to perform. So we've got sort of... Uh, well, for us, it's fascinating because we, you and I, have very different songwriting methods. As many different artists mm-hmm. there are, there's as many different ways to, to write songs. Yeah. 
they've all got their own different things that they yeah. use to inspire them. Mm. The way they write, it's uh, for me, it's fascinating. That's that's why I like doing this, really. Yeah, it's well, not it's, to spend it's, time with you. No, it's not to spend time with uh, with anybody. It's um, <laughs> no, it's, no, this is, doesn't make sense. Um, I think I think what it is is um, it's it's great to know as artists ourselves what other people are doing. Yeah, you know why yeah. they do it, and uh, yeah. you know, and how that sort of community is built together. I think it's great. Right. Well, you know that Peter and I can talk forever, but we should really think about wrapping the show up. We've had a great time, as usual. It's it's that time of the evening again, where we're time of the podcast, where we must say goodbye. Goodbye. Tuck yourself into bed, children. And if you're listening in the daytime, don't do this at work. Before we go, though, we should talk about... Literary kings and friends talking bullshit again.